0: Hey, hey, it's Andy Annes, and you're listening to another episode of Pod Slam A Jamma presented by Clip City Control Room. Uh, joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap, co host. And obviously, of course, as you see here, we have special guests. It's Texas Tech Week, week two of the college football season for both the University of Houston and Texas Tech, the next upcoming opponent for the Cougars. So we're lucky to be joined by at Tailgate Talks, as you see it on the description. So we'll be talking all things UH Texas Tech, don't go anywhere.
1: To work at the
2: First half. There's Graham with the steal. Picked up by Cam Jones. On oh, the offensive glass so tough. And that's third game. Two possessions. Sasser tries and he hits. Tune has a receiver
3: open. Touchdown. Herzlo. They call them five down.
0: So a bit of a bit of an interesting intro. You know, before this is gonna be the most important question. What do you think about it?
3: I liked it. I was, yeah. I was over here like, all right, let's go. Yeah,
0: cool. Cool. That's, the, that's, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. I would have kicked you out if you said anything. No, I'm right. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but uh, before we get into it, Deon, uh as always, my co-host, how are you doing, sir?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, man. Excited for this week, man. I love college football. It was a great week one.
0: For sure, for sure. And obviously, of course, our guest um, from covering Texas Tech with Tailgate Talks. How are you guys uh, doing? I'll toss it around the table.
3: Yeah, we're doing good. You know, started off the Joey Maguire era with a convincing wins, so it's all it's all good here on this side,
0: for sure. So obviously, of course, getting right into it when it comes to that sixty three to ten win over Murray State, um, what were what were your main takeaways? I think obviously, of course, you. you the elephant in the room the injury to tyler shuck um I, I believe it was reported by by the lubbock journal that he's going to be out three to six weeks or at least that's the early timetable um i believe that they said it was a collarbone injury what what can you guys talk about that injury and just your overall takeaways from that game one
3: yeah i'll let dustin touch on the tyler shuck thing and then maybe i'll touch on kind of the atmosphere and everything so dustin if you want to take over the tyler shuck news
2: yeah so shucks out three to six weeks they're still not sure um, They couldn't tell by x-rays what it was. He took a run kind of middle to the side and kind of jumped on the back, kind of like the little Tony Romo type injury, and like landed on that shoulder collarbone. So they're not sure if it's UC joint or collarbone just yet. They said on Wednesday they'll find out more and how severe it might be. But for now it's going to be the Donovan Smith show for the Red Raiders for the next month or so, and we're okay with that. Yeah,
3: the unfortunate thing is this is the same injury Tyler Shuck had last year that ended his season early, and so it's just an unfortunate thing for him. He worked really hard this offseason, earned that starting job over two very good competitive quarterbacks, and then first quarter of the season goes down with uh, that kind of same-looking injury. Now, hopefully it's not the collarbone, but like Dustin said, Donovan Smith took over, and the offense didn't. Stop at all. Uh, despite that, uh, for me, you know, we were at the game. We've been going to games for a while, and the energy just felt different. Joey McGuire uh, is here. It's been a long wait. We hired him in November, uh, and so this is a long time to wait for a coach to get his first game. Uh, typically, you don't hire a coach till maybe after the season. So we've had a lot of time with Joey McGuire, and it was about time to see. Uh, That first kickoff and everything was great. It was nice to handle an opponent that we're much better than. Uh, That's something that we haven't done very well lately. Last year, we almost lost to SFA. Uh, The year before that, we struggled against Houston Baptist, whose offensive coordinator is now on our sideline. Um, So it was just nice to handle business, beat a team that didn't really deserve to be on the same field as you. So that's kind of how we're feeling right now.
1: But let's stay with the quarterback at Donovan Smith. He has some experience. What you guys um, take away from him and how confident are you guys um, in him just going forward with the uncertainty with um, Tyler Shook and his timetable to return? Yeah, Dion, we're real confident in him. You mentioned his
2: experience. We He got quite a few starts and played a lot last year, and you could tell last Saturday that definitely helped him. He started off very good, was two for two with two touchdowns, And so we felt very confident of him coming in. Um, I forgot to mention, Shuck went out at the end of the first quarter and Donovan played the second, third quarter. Maybe that was a game script, maybe not. But he played super good and barely missed any reads. He checked into some plays that got us into a better situation. I know a couple of the touchdown runs were his audibles and play calls and saw something before, called into it. And that's going from that experience last year and this year. I think me and Brooks really liked seeing that our play calling with our offensive coordinator, Zach Kiley, didn't change when we had to make that move. It was the same script, same plays, nothing really different. Honestly, there was maybe even some additions of little quarterback option type plays that we don't typically do with Shuck. So really there was a little more, a little extra fold there. So it was really nice. He had a great game, four touchdowns and, and two quarters of work. So that was really nice, really confident. And we're confident in him heading forward too.
3: Yeah, there's a very large portion of the fan base that was on the Donovan Smith as the starting quarterback yeah. train. So um, for them, it's now his time. And so we're all we're all behind this guy. We saw what he could do last year in a few games. You know, he led us to the upset of Iowa State. And then, of course, that convincing bowl win over Mississippi State. So, Uh, For him, you know, he came in and that offense continued to roll. We scored on every single possession that he was in as the quarterback. So that's what you like to see. And the ball just never stopped moving. It was just consistent uh, getting up and down the field. So you like to see that. So, yeah, the the offense is in good hands with Donovan Smith.
0: Kind of an open-ended question I want to ask you guys, and um, uh, it, it could be what you guys just touched on with with how good Donovan Smith looked in that game. But what, what was maybe another positive that you guys took away from from Week One, and you guys really feel um, really confident about whether it be a certain area on the offense, defense? What what stood out?
3: Uh, Dustin, I'll, I'll I'll start off. I thought it was the receivers. Uh, we. We have a good and very deep receiving core, but a lot of those guys haven't had the chance to step up and kind of take over as the starters. And so uh, our two guys starting on the outside positions, Loic Fungi and Duran Bradley, were two guys who I don't even think had over 200 yards receiving last year, yet they came in and they both had 100-yard games and two touchdowns. They were consistent threats throughout the game. They were open. They made good catches. And so for me – uh, we were expecting it to be Miles Price, the Miles Price show this year, and he only had three catches, but you had 14 different guys catch catch a pass. And so it just kind of shows the versatility of what we have at the wide receiver position this year. And they really stepped up in week one.
2: Yeah, definitely a receiver stepped up. I was impressed just in general with Zach Kittley, the offensive coordinator, and all three of our quarterbacks to handle the offense. And when I was re-watching the game, I wrote down a few things that was – the tempo that we ran at was super fast, but very – like we were running plays with a purpose with yeah. that speed. You know, we've had offensive coordinators before where that, what what There was speed, but no purpose behind it. There was mm-hmm. definitely purpose behind the tempo. Um, and there was very – a lot of vertical action. We were up the field a lot, and then we were very versatile. We had 14 guys with receptions in this game. And we also ran the ball effectively. So just the all-around – Offensive game, 600-plus yards total, was very nice to see.
1: From the offensive perspective, you know Texas Tech, no matter who the coach's offensive coordinator is, it's pretty much a spread attack, throw the ball around. It's kind of still the same principles, but I know you guys mentioned Donovan Smith brings another element um, with his running ability, but it's kind of still the same principles?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think Gilly coming from – with he was with Cliff, and then what he got to do at Houston Baptist Western Kentucky, he's a very vertical air raid style type dude, um, and he's admitted this too. Like he just wants to get the best players on the field and run the best plays we can. Like he doesn't care if it's running, passing. He he wants to do it all, and I think he really showed that this last weekend.
0: And Justin yeah, turns us to it. Oh my bad, I didn't I, didn't cut saying, you yeah, I don't it. really, I don't really
3: have anything to add on. Dustin kind of hit the nail on the head there. He's kind of from that. Cliff, Tree, uh, put his own things on it. But, yeah, you're going to see a very spread-out offense with him.
0: You know, the other area I did want to touch on is, obviously, of course, the, the running back situation. and um, I'm curious to see what, what you guys saw in that aspect, especially when it came to, to uh, a player that Houston fans know very well because he had a really good game at NRG Stadium a season ago, and that's Todd Brooks. He had three touchdowns against Murray State. What, what was the rushing attack? What did that look like for Texas Tech in week one?
3: Yeah, we obviously love our two-headed monster that we have at the running back position this year, Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson. Now, last year, Sir Roderick was hurt when we played y'all, so y'all you know got the full dose of Taj Brooks and y'all seen what he's fully capable of. But they both just bring something different to the game, but they're s- such aggressive runners with the football. Uh, their ability to get by defenders, like Sir Roderick had two big plays where he just spun out of a tackle and then break away uh, with that speed that they both have. So, you know, coming into the year, we expected them to kind of have the same amount of carries and maybe the same amount of yards. And week one was exactly that, you know, Taj Brooks, six carries, 50 yards, Sir Roderick Thompson, seven carries, 48 yards. Uh, Mm -hmm. Only difference is Taj Brooks had the three touchdowns and Sir Roderick had one receiving one, but uh, these guys are going to be tough to deal with all season. Uh, as long as they can stay healthy, they're they're probably one of the best running back duos, and not
2: only the conference but maybe the country. I would say. Dayon, you got strength? And we're going to lean on them a lot. And so, see them catch balls and also be effective in the run game was really nice. Did
1: you guys get a chance to see any of Houston's uh, UTSA game? Watch
2: the highlights,
3: yeah, because I think towards the end of the game was when we were at the stadium. So we were kind of keeping up with the score on the scoreboard and kind of seeing that y'all were, uh, you know, in overtime. And then it was like, oh, y'all are in double overtime. And then, oh, triple overtime.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a that, that's an absurd game that we'll touch on more in the, in the second yeah. segment. I guess uh, final final thing that I'll ask here uh, pertaining to to week one for Texas Tech. Uh, what was is there an area of concern that you saw in week one? And obviously, of course, week one is it's hard to say that with, right. with how lopsided it was on Murray State. But maybe maybe something that was a question throughout training camp, and um, it's just something to keep an eye on now that that uh, you know you're going into week two against Houston.
3: Yeah, Dustin, you want want to go first or you want to hear what I got?
2: I'll let you take it for a second.
3: (laughs) All right, man. Um, You know, for me, like you said, it's hard to kind of nitpick when you just dominate this team like this. And so the things that were coming into the season that were kind of weaknesses, whereas the offensive line and defensive line – and they both held their own in that game. So I think we're going to learn a lot more about them after we play Houston than we really learned from them this week one because, I mean, Murray State really wasn't that difficult of an an opponent. They only gave up one sack, and that was when we were on our third team, Um, and then our defensive line dominated their offensive line pretty well. So we'll learn more about them this upcoming week, but the only things I really can nitpick from that game, we had nine penalties – Um, i'd like to see that number come down and then our secondary did give up a couple bombs and so i know y'all got some talented receivers over there and so that's one thing i'm not really sure if they were just defensive breakdowns or what but i would like to see less bombs against a team that was you know not that
2: great (laughs) yeah and that's where i was gonna go is our secondary and our coaches kind of just nitpicked on them i think to the play action got them and also the murray state quarterback dj williams he was good and has an arm and by the second quarter when they're down three scores he was just like screw it i'm gonna start bombing this thing and so that played into it too but i think i'm just so numb to us having pretty terrible defensive backs for Mm -hmm. so
1: long that i was like it wasn't that bad What about def- defensively? We touched upon the offense, and Tech is primarily known for having a high-power offense. Are you guys feeling kind of confident in the, the defensive coordinator, and the new philosophies that they're going to bring, especially to bring it in? We're going against a Houston team who's going to be very experienced and can spread the ball around different receivers.
0: Yeah,
2: I think our defense has a lot of players that are unknown. We brought back a lot of guys that have been here for a while, where their fourth, fifth, or sixth-year seniors. You know, that's funny to say, but <laughs> we have a lot of those dudes, especially on the D-line and secondary, that have a lot of experience but have just gotten nicked up over the years that they don't haven't put together full seasons. And so they're kind of flying under the radar, I think. And I really liked how our D-line played um, against Murray State. We rotated quite a few guys in, and – I know we have a really good stud defensive end and a couple linebackers, but our D tackles stood out to me and played really well. So I was very impressed with that.
3: Yeah, I think what we're looking for this year in our DC is adaptability. And I think we saw that we can show a lot of different looks in this game one. And so um, that's what I'm just kind of curious about seeing moving forward once we start playing better opponents and teams that are actually going to attack us a little bit more is this to kind of see how we adjust to whatever the offense is doing. Um, but like Dustin said, like we've got a lot of experience back there. Uh, when you're listening to the starting lineups on our defense, it's super senior, super senior, super senior. And so uh, having a lot of experience with a new defensive coordinator really helps. And so I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from them so far. I mean, holding Murray State to 10 points, it's still – uh, you know college football, and and so being able to do that, they completely shut them down in the second half. They didn't even get a first down in the second half. So, uh, a lot of positive things that you can take from that game, and hopefully roll it over into you know the next opponent, which is a much better <laughs> opponent than Murray State.
0: Coming right up on Pod Jam, we'll dive more into the specifics of the Houston and Texas Tech matchup. I need gotta get over UTSA. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slime Jam.
1: Continue on here on Pod Slammer Jamma now talking specifically about I'm going to call it the rivalry between Houston and Texas Tech. Um, I think we owe you guys, but I think how important is it for you guys from Texas Tech perspective to get off to a good start? I think um, that that's going to be very important. Who can get off to a good start and who can control the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively? What you guys take on that?
3: yeah i think we got to get on y'all from the jump and i think that's one of the things offensively that we really liked from game one is the first play we ran was a flea flicker that went for about 40 something yards from our Um, own end zone yeah (laughs) and i think zach Kitley's that aggressive offensive coordinator who wants to get points on the board early and so i think that first possession is going to be key can we move the ball get a touchdown get things going offensively i think that's huge and yeah, defensively to limit y'all at the start of the game. Like I, I really want us to dominate that first quarter. I think that's huge for how the game's going to play out.
2: Yeah. And if you look at last year, Houston jumped on Texas tech early. That first quarter yeah, was yeah. dominated we are up two or three scores on us and we had to struggle our way back through it. We mm-hmm. got four turnovers from you guys later to, to come back. And so let's, from the Texas Tech standpoint, we don't want to have to claw our way back through that, right? Let's start a little better early on and make it a game from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think you know, going back to something you guys said in the in the first segment, just in terms of what you guys saw uh, in that Week One matchup, where um, being able to be up tempo, but up tempo with a purpose. And and Dayon, I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on that because when I heard that. Um, that's something that UTSA was able to do well in second, third quarters against Houston. It it gave the defense a lot of problems, especially towards the end of the third quarter where you were having players you know, starting to drop like flies. Um, obviously, it's week one. Um, that, that always seems to be a problem early on in the season, but that, that could be concerns, especially in Texas Tech. It's not going to be in a dome up there in Lubbock.
1: Yeah, I think so, especially when you have a quarterback like Donovan Smith who brings another element like Franco Harris to be able to move the ball in <laughs> with his feet and extend plays like that. So I think that's another element. But I think one thing that Houston is going to benefit from is playing in that tough environment on the road in week one and traveling on the road. So I would think it's going to be an even tougher crowd in week two against Texas Tech. But I think up front is going to be important. Um, you guys talked about your offensive line. I think yeah. Houston they really got after Tyler Shook last year and be able to put pressure on him. I mean, how, how confident are you guys in that O-line? Because I think Sac Avenue is going to be hungry to get after the quarterback.
3: I'm still a little nervous. You know, uh, they held up well against Murray State, but, you know, they're nowhere near compared to what you guys are going to be bringing on that defensive front. So I'm nervous. There's – they'll kind of like competition between some of the lineman spots. So like the top five aren't even really solidified yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they played good, but you know, man, it, it does make me a little nervous that they're going to be able to break through and provide more pressure. And then Donovan Smith, can he handle it? He, I know last year he had some several great plays where he was able to extend them by being on his feet, just being bigger than a lot of guys because he is a pretty massive guy for a quarterback. Six, six. So I think they'll be able to hold up, uh, but I am curious to see, like, which guys perform well and if there are some guys who kind of show weakness and if other guys are going to get an opportunity to play next
2: week. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be probably the best matchup to watch for in this game is both sides of the ball, O-line, D-line, and how that's going to shake out because ours, yeah, like we're still trying to figure out who who's who on that O-line. And there's a lot of positions we're rotating guys in and out just to figure out who can play, you know, down the road. But I think this game's going to be way too high a level for that much substitution and rotation. Like it's going to be a practice game anymore, like you had in Week One. And so we're going to have to find some guys and get some consistency up front um, to hopefully hold you guys back and give Donovan some time.
0: And in terms of uh, Texas Tech's defensive line, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? Because Houston's online, they they kind of struggled a bit early. At least uh, what Dana Hogerson said today, um, uh, to media was that you know for the first three quarters, it, you know, from penalties, there were false starts, holding. Uh, there were a couple of times where they they UTSa was really able to to give a lot of pressure to to Clayton too. and, and I mean that was a big reason why UH was able to not do nothing on offense for the first three quarters uh but then dane overson touched on they were able to clean it up in the fourth and and that showed that he felt that he, they have the personnel to be able to block it's not like the players can't do it it's just consistency that's what he really preached um do you think the defensive line that's one area that could give UH problems or what do you guys see from that position
3: yeah i think we have guys who can be problems there's a guys listed as an outside linebacker but his name is tyree wilson and he's a massive human being uh if you haven't go like look him up there's some incredible photos of him from big 12 media days where he's just bigger and taller and faster than everybody Six else around
2: 75. him.
3: and yeah. he's a guy who can completely wreck a game and so yeah he he presents some mismatches i think down there but also our interior guys, we have very experienced interior guys um, and Jalen Hutchings and uh, why is his name? Tony Bradford Tony Jr. Bradford. They had really good games last week. They're some of those guys that have that super senior tag that have been here for a long time, uh, that know what it's like. They're familiar with Houston. They probably played y'all two times now. This would be their third time, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. uh, they're familiar with that, but also some of the backup guys came in and played pretty well. The guy who led us in sacks was a backup defensive tackle in Phillip Liddy, who had a really solid week one game. So I thought their week one performance was really well. Um, and I think that they can cause some problems for you guys. I, th- I think our depth on that line is a little better than we thought heading into the season. And so uh, I'm excited to see what they do against a better offensive front.
2: Is that guys- something that worries y'all? Because I saw y'all gave up four sacks to UTSA.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on. And I think that's why um, the offense ran the ball so much in that game. They almost doubled their run versus pass, especially in that first half to kind of open it up a little bit in that second half. Mm -hmm. But I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I think the experience from that first game going against that crowd was a lot of false start penalties, a lot of holding penalties. I think they'll be able to settle down a bit. I think they have the capabilities to block up front. But I think that noise is only going to intensify even more because I expect you guys' crowd to be maybe five times better than it was in Alamo, in Alamo, <laughs> Dome. Yeah. So I think it's definitely going to be a challenge. But as far as the running backs, I think both teams would probably try to run the ball and control the clock. I know you guys said you play a little bit more faster, just to go back to Andy's point. where you guys, you think, try to run the ball more or kind of spread it out and go um, throw the ball around a little bit?
2: Yeah. So, Dan, that's a good question because if you look at the stat sheet, like Murray State had the ball for like 10 more minutes than us, but I don't think we care about time of possession as much as kind of maybe some older running type head coaches or fans would like. I think we're all about what's working and what's being effective. We did still run the ball pretty effectively with all our guys last week and it was a few up the middles, you know, try to pound out three to four yards and then see if you can bust one here and there. But that effectiveness of running the ball still helps with the versatility of the passing game. So I think it all plays together. The time of possession doesn't matter to us.
3: Yeah, I think it's the points. They they wore a bunch of shirts all off season that had 50-burger on it. I think they want to get as many points as they can. So. Yeah. Um, if the game calls for it, I think they might adapt and try to control the ball a little bit more. But I think you're going to see a team that's going to just be trying to put up points, use all that space that Zach Haley offense creates and try to try to hang another 50-burger if they can. <laughs>
0: Oh, that That's interesting because, you know, talking about one of those old school coaches that cares about time of possession is Dana Holgerson. Yeah, um, right. Something you yeah. mentioned before the UTSA game, he said, I know we have so many weapons on receivers, but his, he still wants to be a run first team. And against UTSA, Houston, they did control the time of possession and they ended up rushing. They had 16 more rushing attempts in UTSA and, and it's kind of, interesting when when you see that stat and then uh the, well, the cougars were trailing for three quarters of that game in the fourth quarter it, it just completely went out the window and i think a big part of it was just clayton Tune making plays um yeah. and sometimes it, it required him having to, to scramble for a first down he did a lot of uh diving like I, I don't know if you guys i'm sure you guys have seen the play that clayton Toon had yeah. to 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 have a go-ahead two-point conversion. (laughs) Yeah. You saw a lot of that often. And then going back to your point about the offensive line, there was a couple of times where Tune had to do that because that was the only play available. And obviously, of course, they didn't all result in those Superman dives into the end zone. But a lot of times it was that bust. I mean, going back to – I can't remember if it was toward the end of the third quarter or early fourth, but Houston went for it on fourth and two like in their own territory, and UTSA got to stop. They were able to stop uh, the running back, Stacy Sneed here, and they got lucky because UTSA got called for an illegal substitution. They had too many men on the field, and that kind of gave Houston a lifeline for for the, the drive that cut the deficit to, to just seven. And then from then, kind of Houston was able to take over. So I think absolutely that's got to be a big concern because um, Hol- that's what Hogerson wants to do. He wants to control time possession. He wants to get the running game going. And if Texas Tech is able to shut that down, it might be another instance where we saw against UTSA where, um, where yeah. the Roadrunners looked like they had all the momentum for three quarters of that game.
2: Yeah, I, and I wanted on. to ask you while you brought it up, what did you think about Clayton Toon leading the team in rushing
0: Oh, <laughs> I'll I'll take it first day and I'll, I'll let you go. Um, that's <laughs> certainly not the the recipe of success that Houston wants, um, and it's something that Dana and himself touched on again uh, Monday morning, where he's like. Yeah, he he had the heroics and, and I think after the game he said, I knew he was gonna get hit. I was like, if he's gonna do it, I might as well result in the two point conversion. But he kind of reiterated he had he actually kinda of used uh Tyler Shaw as an example. It's like that play happened where he was scrambling trying yeah. to to make a play and that's why he reiterated he doesn't want he says they obviously they have design runs but the way houston sees it they they only want to use clayton toon's legs in critical situations just because even going back to last season when clayton had to deal with a hamstring injury uh for a good portion of it that they they know that for the long-term success it's probably not wise for him to have 15 carries and lead yeah. the team in rushing uh but down what, what do you think about that
1: I think it could be deceiving. I think it was pr- primarily because of the defense that um, UTSA played, they really played a deep coverage and mm-hmm. wanted to force them to check it down. And oftentimes, he could just extend out and, and run the football. A couple design runs, but because they had the numbers in the box. But I think um Houston's going to use maybe like three running backs they did in the first week. And so I don't think um, with Alton out for that basically the entire year, we'll have. Uh, week-by-week week basis where running back would just dominate a game. Maybe so, but I think it would be a bit deceiving. I think Clayton um, just made the plays that was there. And so much, it wasn't – he had 15 carries, but maybe five of those was designed runs and clutch yeah. situations <laughs> when the numbers to where he just had to make a play. So, I mean, it's good because he's a dual threat. I think one – error that i seen from Clayton this year in his first game was his accuracy. I think he never put the ball in harm's way. Every pass that he threw was pretty much on target, whether receivers dropped or was incomplete. But everywhere he put it, it, it was where the receiver could make a play.
0: Yeah, and to, just to add another point, I think there's certainly going to be once again another emphasis of being able to establish the run game. You know, there's going to be the return of Tejon Henry up in Lubbock yeah. uh, for you guys. He's a player that didn't play that much against UTSA. He got banged up, and Dana Horison said oh, he could have gone back in the game, but they opted not to. Um, you know, try to extend them early on so early brandy week one in the season um dana hoverson said he expects them to be ready to go for saturday so um like day said, this is going to be uh, dana hoverson likes what he's seen from brandon campbell he likes what he saw from stacy steen so it's going to be a three-headed attack when it comes to the running backs and uh clayton tooney's shown that he can do it and that's going to be something that the texas tech has to watch for
3: I was going to ask real quick, is there any chance you see Dana Holgerson getting the ball first, scoring a touchdown, and kicking an onside kick again like he did last year?
0: (laughs) Man, uh, apparently (laughs) they – so it's kind of – it kind of uh, segueing, but it kind of relates to your question. So today he was asked because they won the overtime – coin toss and they opted right. to go first in overtime and obviously of course a big deal was made out of oh well wouldn't it be better to to let UTSA go first to know what you have to match and he went on a long tangent about how they've you know once the new overtime rules kicked in they went on a Deep. They did a deep study that, you know, kind of went through all the overtime scenarios, all the two-point yeah. conversion scenarios. I'm sure they discussed when to go for onside kicks, so yeah. you never know. Yeah. Uh, if they think it's worth it, you, you're going to do it again. And and the way he said it, they're willing to do anything that's unconventional if the analytics say so, and they don't necessarily care about what other people say. So you don't know. You don't know with Dana Hogerson. Yeah. I remember last year, y'all had the ball like the whole first quarter.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. We got the ball until the second, so.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah um, you got else?
1: Nah, you never know. I'm just thinking about the crowd, man. How how electric was the crowd week one and how even more electric will the crowd be here um, coming this Saturday? Well, how, how big of an impact do you think the crowd will have?
3: I think, yeah, I think you're going to see a pretty impressive crowd. It was already really good for Murray State, and that was a, uh, you know, pretty weak opponent. Uh, but everybody was just excited to kick off the Joey McGuire era. So it was uh, a lot of people. A lot of people kind of left uh, at halftime once the game was in hand. Um, but I expect a full crowd, a very excited crowd, to actually have uh, you know worthy opponent at the Jones. Um, and now we've kind of seen uh, what we're what we're capable of. You know, we saw that offense clip. We saw the defense have a good game. So I think everybody is invested in Joey McGuire. And I think it'll be a pretty loud and pretty difficult place to play moving forward. So I think y'all are definitely going to be the uh, unfortunate, you know, first team that has to uh, come in here with Jerry, uh, Joey McGuire and this fan base, just kind of being ready for uh, a worthy opponent.
2: I think just to add fuel to the fire is, you know, Houston coming into the big 12 in a few years and being an in-state kind of rival that we've played recently. We have, transfers go in there and like just the, all that adds to it. And so I think it's going to be a electric atmosphere yeah. in Lubbock on Saturday afternoon.
3: Yeah, And Dana was a coach here and coached right. here at when he was at West Virginia. So he's familiar with coaching here. So there's just a lot of different aspects to it that I think really make this fan base
2: uh, excited about Saturday. I loved his answer to if he's ever been hit with a tortilla before. <laughs> yeah. And he was just honest, he's like, yeah, definitely have, <laughs> and there were a lot of tortillas out on uh, last week, so expect those again at opening kickoff and for you Houston fans that don't know, for some reason in Lubbock, we throw tortillas at the opening kickoff and let them fly, and there were probably a few hundred of them that went flying last week, so expect that again, yeah.
0: And Coming right up on Podslime and Jam, but don't go anywhere. We'll get more into predictions of what will happen between Houston and Texas Tech. Once again, you're listening to Podslime and Jam.
3: I'm going to take a little restroom break right quick.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Andy, it's funny. I was looking up some youtube to find like post game stuff and y'all's y'all had a camera i guess at the uh post game and y'all's yeah. video, so i watched that <laughs> <laughs> I saw the logo and i was like oh yeah i know these guys
0: <laughs> that's awesome yeah man. That's awesome. man no i i've seen that um I, and i'm guessing that a lot of the, the it's done really well um it's about to get 300 views in six hours and i'm guessing that a lot of that is texas tech fans looking for yeah. for jade hogars and covers because it, that did not happen last week against utsa yeah
2: yeah i saw watched it he's he's definitely an entertaining guy so it's always fun to watch his pressers
0: yeah for he sure. he got real
2: jazzed up about that analytics
1: stuff didn't he
0: <laughs> yeah he did because yeah there was a there was a lot of talk about it a lot of fans were like well what, what is he doing why, why are we going first
1: it's funny because once I seen that in one of my group chats, I was like, why didn't he kick go defense first? But it all worked out. I like, agree with him, no, It works both ways. No, so. Yeah, it goes both ways, yeah. I didn't know about the tortilla, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we there's all kinds of myths about how it got started.
2: We don't even know. So, yeah, there's people that just sneak packs of tortillas into the stadium and then at kickoff, they just start going flying.
3: I don't think you have to sneak them in anymore. The like, Texas text <laughs> social media account was telling people to bring tortillas. So <laughs> you can't tell people to do something and then try to confiscate it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Are you all ready?
1: Yeah, man.
0: All right. But Dan, whenever uh, whenever you're ready, can bring us in. Pred-
1: predictions?
0: Yeah, we can do predictions and, and then just like ca- casual conversation on the matchup and then we'll wrap it up.
1: All right, we'll start with you, Dustin, but three, two, one, last episode, no, no, three, two, one, last segment here um, with our rivals, I should say, the tailgate talks of Texas Tech, and now it's prediction time. Um, I think I know where you guys are going to go, but Dustin, let's start with you. What's your prediction for Saturday?
2: Yeah, you're definitely not going to like my prediction (laughs) in both of our squads in week one. I have definitely stretched out our prediction of how close this game might be. I'm thinking it's going to be more of a 10 to 14 point kind of game. Mm -hmm. And We talked earlier and I have a set score of 49 to 35 for Texas Tech. We're going to line up that Mm scoreboard.
3: Yeah, y'all aren't going to like mine either, but I I had similar. I think it's a two score game. I think the crowd is going to be, you know, huge on our side. Uh, I think if we can jump out on you guys really early that's going to help but also I think just if it's one of those uh, you know close games I think the depth that we have the crowd and all that's going to play into effect and so if it is close I think it's something that we can kind of pull away at the end or it's one of those where we jump on you from the beginning and kind of have y'all the rest of the way so I have I have 42 28 as my prediction.
1: What about predictions as far as stats, uh, quarterback, no interceptions, prediction. turnovers, anything? Well, hopefully we get some turnovers. We preached yeah. that all offseason and got
2: zero last week, so we're hoping <laughs> to get one. We know Tune likes to give it to us like he did last <laughs> last year. So Hopefully we can take it away again um, and get, get two or three turnovers. But, I mean, I don't expect the 600-yard type of offense from us, but – I would still expect 450 or 500 yards of total offense and good 300 plus from Donovan hundred on the ground, just as a, as a team, 140, I think is what we had last week somewhere in there. So very effective pass heavy type of game. Uh, and I think Brooks hit it on the head with our pod, like Tyree Wilson, our our massive defensive end, I think is going to have a little breakout and have a huge impact on this game.
3: Yeah. I- That's kind of where I started on our podcast is I think Tyree, he was kind of quiet in game one, but I think this is going to be a game that he can dominate. Uh, And then I expect another 300 – I expect about a 300-yard performance from Donovan um, and a little like over 150 yards between Sir Roderick and Taj Brooks on the ground. I think that they're going to be really effective this game. I really like the way that Zach Hilly is using them both, not only just running but in the pass game as well. So. Um, I expect big performances from them. And then, yeah, I just really hope that Donovan's able to kind of continue the early success he had this year. Um, now he has probably, you know, full four quarters. to see what he can do there. I mean, 220 yards and four touchdowns in about a quarter and a half of play uh, in week one is pretty impressive. So hopefully he can keep that going. And um, I think if the offense is clicking, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for you guys to hang in there with us.
0: Mm-hmm. you know a uh, kind of a, a question i have for for both of y'all so I'll, I'll just toss it out there whoever wants to get it first but you know what what do you guys foresee how do you think texas tech is going to handle uh tank nathaniel tank dell for houston and i mean he honestly he had a bit of a if you can call it an off game he still had two touchdowns i think yeah. he had just over 50 yards what's what's kind of the the game plan for for him Man, I don't know.
3: (laughs) I don't know. He's the one player on y'all's roster that really does make me nervous because, you know, they had a receiver who kind of took the top off us a couple times, but um, and and he's a guy who can do that. But, you know, I I definitely think we have plenty of experienced guys to contain him. I think it's going to be a team effort. I don't think you're going to see just one guy covering him. I think it's going to be a lot of maybe some zone looks to try to make sure that Uh, he's in front of us at all times and not let him get burned by, uh, get beat. And so I'm kind of curious about that. I I really don't know what the answer is for him. I'm hoping he's not having one of those games where it's over 100 yards and uh, several trips to the end zone, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: he's a a hell of a tough matchup, man. And from our end, Texas Tech's end, like we don't have necessarily a shutdown corner that we can say, hey, he's on him all game and we're going to let him figure it out. And not that – not saying we have bad guys, but it's much more we have experienced guys on both ends. And so we can let let your guy travel and we can stay where we're at and just pick him up where he is and, and deal with him that way. And so we just got to work on the play action stuff and not get beat over the top like we did in Murray State a few times, um, whether that be individual matchup or coverage assignments, whatever it may be. I think that was kind of a small concern that could – show its head again
3: my question i guess i got for y'all is what do y'all think y'all are going to do this week to get him more looks because yeah i was kind of shocked when i saw only he had five receptions for 50 yards so what do you think dana and this crew is going to do to try to get him more than five and have him really have more of an, an effect on this
1: game yeah, I think they're going to move him around a bit. I think he's going to be primarily in the slot like he um, was last week. But I, I think they maybe kind of held it back a little bit just not to show as much. Um, I think more quick passes, more bubble screens, quick quick, uh, screens to get the ball in his hands, let him move, especially if you guys play some zone coverage, he's exceptional in the middle of the field, reading his own, sitting down, getting his hands on it and making plays. But I think overall, I think Clayton is going to continue to spread the ball around. I think Matthew Golden is going to have a big game. Keyshawn Carter had a couple catches and he's returning back to Lubbock as well. And so I think he's going to be hungry. But um, I guess it, it, I think he's going to have a breakout game. I, I think he's going to be hungry, and I think they're going to feed him early and often. I, I think I'm going to go out and say he's going to have eight plus catches, buck 50, maybe Woo. at least two <laughs> touchdowns. Dang, that's what I don't want. That's what <laughs> I don't want. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know the the thing about that is that you know like Deion said, I I agree. I think that they'll probably make a, a it'll be much more of an emphasis to get him the ball in any way that they can, whether it be with screens or you know have him do a lot more motion. But I think the thing that you really got to worry about is that he's doing punt returns too. And uh, you know if you ask Dana Hogerson, he should have had a punt return touchdown against UTSA on that. Uh, uh, illegal block in the back they called that 73yard punt returned back and he said that that's the worst call that he's ever seen <laughs> so I think Houston will, will certainly yeah. you'll you'll see a lot more of tank down in this game uh especially with much more targets but I think down's point is is really really valid especially when you know you think of uh Manjack who had that crazy catch to tie the game the yeah. touchdown but you know matt golden is one of the players um one of the redshirt freshmen that they've been really high on throughout camp and he had a couple of drops in that game along with sam brown and but he kind of made up for it because he it was kind of like what you'd expect from players that haven't played that much because even though he had a couple of key drops he has a crazy you know toe tap catch yeah. towards the sideline so um i think houston's at a point where you know something that they've touted throughout they have so many weapons it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how texas tech matches up because if there is you know extra coverage on tank i think it's going to be a a big day for some of the other receivers
1: what about tejon henry you guys seen probably some of the best of him how how good is he in y'all eyes and do y'all expect him to come in and really be hungry to try to have a big game Yeah.
3: I mean, of course, when you return to the place that, you know, you got started where he spent two years here, I think one of his breakout games was against you guys in Lubbock uh, several years ago. He had like four touchdowns in that game. So yeah, he'll be chomping at the bit to get out there, but yeah, we know how good he can be. He was definitely one of those guys that once he was in space, he was really dangerous, but you know, for whatever reason, he just was never really able to stay consistent. And so you know, I know he'll be excited, but hopefully we're able to contain him. And hey, if, if Dell has 150 yards and two touchdowns, maybe he's the only guy moving the ball for you guys. And I'll <laughs> be okay if he has those numbers. And if Tejon has uh, hardly any yards and same with Keyshawn, you know, I liked them when they were here, but I don't really root for them to have success for you guys. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah. With both those guys, I was high on both of them. Disappointed. They both left yeah. and going to Houston and Taejon was very highly touted coming out of high school and coming here and showed some flashes um, off and on. And so missing, losing him, I, I thought it was a big loss, and you guys got a big gain out of that. Um, I'm glad we still have some guys to, to carry the load for us and didn't deplete us that bad. But, yeah, I was definitely disappointed that,
1: about y'all's, y'all's gaining of Tejon Henry.
3: Also a great name, just a great name, Tejon. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it is, man. Another great name who I think is going to have the game-winning kick is Bubba. I think uh, my prediction score, I'm going to go oh. 41-38. I think it's going to be another close game. I think Clayton is going to leave that game-winning drive, get it in field goal range to make that kick at the end. But I expect, be, I expect Donovan Smith to have a big game. I think just like Franco Harris, he's going to be able to move the ball with his feet and through the air. Um, especially if some of y'all receivers can make some plays because UTSA receiver made some plays down the field. But um, coming that second half, I think our cornerbacks uh, made a couple more plays and our defensive line really, really took over. So I think when it comes down to it, our D-line is going to – Make you guys one dimensional and make you guys try to spread the ball around more, throw it, throw it, throw it, in which they're gonna be able to get after the quarterback and not allow Donovan Smith to really just to sit back there and force him to kinda be erratic at times and and kinda use his legs more than probably he would like to instead of using his receivers.
0: Yeah, no, I know, do One other thing to kind of add on to Deion's point, um, the defensive line for Houston, they had a couple of times when, like Deion mentioned, they were able to get into the backfield. They were chasing Frank Harris around. that it They literally just could not bring him down, especially for the first three quarters, where it literally looked like they were just a second behind, where... Literally, if they would have just got there sooner, they would have been able to tackle him. There were a couple of times when they flat out missed sacks on him. They could have yeah. easily – I think they finished with three sacks on the game. That could have easily ballooned up to 6-7 had they been able to bring them down. I think the, the Houston's defense is going to be motivated against Texas Tech to, to, you know, Obviously, that's kind of the calling card for Houston under Doug Belk, and they they weren't satisfied with what they were able to put on film against UTSA. So you're going to have an extra motivated uh, defense, and it's something that a couple of the players said right after the game that they felt that you know, it wasn't necessarily UTSA making the plays much more that it was them, you know, not making those plays. So it'll be interesting to see what that kind of dynamic is like on Saturday.
3: Yeah, and just to kind of add on to what Dayon was saying, the one time that we've really seen Donovan struggle in a game was against Oklahoma State last year, and they had that incredible defensive line that was just in the backfield every single play. And you could definitely tell he was uncomfortable. And so, um, you know, since then, our offensive line has really given him a lot of time and protection. So it'll be curious to see how he's matured from last year to this year, if there is pressure, if he's able to, you know, remain composed, uh, make reads get the ball out of his hands quick and into our receivers hands and let them make the plays and not try to do it all on his own
0: down anything else you want to add before we wrap things up uh
1: yeah yeah one what was I about to say Um, Oh, yeah, about your head coach, man. Talk more um, about your head coach. I mean, it's very exciting. He's recruiting really, really well. Um, So how excited are you guys to finally get game one behind this belt and now get a ranked opponent inside? And it's kind of a chance for him to kind of make an early statement that, I mean, he he got a chance to kind of turn things around.
3: Dustin, I'll let you go first.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, Joey McGuire, our new head coach, very, very excited Yeah, he's been here since November. We hired him pretty early on in the process. He said, you know, last night it was pretty surreal and it kind of all became like, all right, this is real. And we were doing the Raider walk and the walkthroughs during practice or pregame. And so I'm glad he got the first one in and out of the way. Um, Yeah, now's when the real test starts because our schedule this year is brutal, especially this first half. I mean, going game two with you guys is not an easy contest for either of us. And so now's when it really how much all the work he did, you know, even during the end of last season and off season pays off. Um, And I like that he's kind of a different head coach than what we've had um, since I've been a fan for the last about 16 years. That goes all the way back to the leech days. Um, He's more of a defensive coach, but in this scenario, he is kind of hands off. He's letting our DC call his stuff. He's letting Kitley call the offense. he's just going to game manage, make sure we got the right players on the field, timeouts, game manage, substitutions, all that kind of stuff. And so it's kind of different for us as Tech fans. You know, we're used to Mike Leach and Cliff Kingsbury, and our head coach is basically the OC on the sidelines with the uh, quarterbacks the whole time rather than paying attention to the the game all the time. And so it's kind of nice to have, and I'm excited for that because he's a very smart head coach uh, in a lot of aspects of the game and so it'd be interesting to see how we handle a a ranked opponent coming in here next week
3: yeah like Joey McGuire likes to say let's go like you'll see him (laughs) say that all the time if you get on our social medias Um, we're all in I'm all in on Joey McGuire it just feels different and it's kind of tough to describe that feeling when you uh, if you haven't been a tech fan like only tech fans can kind of relate to that I think but It just felt different in the stadium. Uh, His energy is kind of unmatched. (laughs) Like, we just really haven't had somebody like this who just gets behind the fan base, like that whole cactus thing. I don't know if y'all paid attention to Twitter, but that whole cactus thing with TCU, you know, I think Matt Wells would have probably not done anything about it. But Joey McGuire instead gets behind the fans, tweets out the cactus emoji. Like, he just wants to be a part of this. He fits in with our culture here and – yeah, he's got the excitement back in the program. You know, it just feels like we actually have, uh, like, good things coming our way for the first time in a while. And so it's just nice to have a coach with that energy, um, a coach who knows high school football in Texas and is able to get out there and recruit it. Uh, Just a lot of things that we've been missing here from that head coaching position. It seems like he kind of checks all those boxes. And so, you know, that first game is behind you. And like Dustin said, the stretch doesn't get any easier. It's Houston, NC State, Texas. That's, you know, there's a very high possibility that you can lose all those three games. But right now we're all uh, on the Joey McGuire train. We all believe in him. And I think we've got good things coming. I I do think Tech fans need to be patient. Um, You know, we got to give him time to get his players in, work with his staff, and kind of get his foothold on this program. But um, we're still – excited for it we still believe in him and we expect good things for this season
1: last one for me would you guys rather play basically a scrimmage first game or have a tougher opponent or like houston they had a very tough opponent in week one now they got i think it's gonna maybe help them coming into week two or would you guys like to have it how you guys have it had it
3: i think for this year i like it being this way with having a new coach, a new staff, so many new parts, like it's nice to just kind of get out there, get game one in the books and not have to stress about it too much. Okay. Um, I, I do like having that, you know, big opponent, though. It was fun last year when we knew we are starting off the season with you guys. and mm-hmm. um, And so I do like having that kind of big first game. But I would prefer that to be in Joey McGuire's second or third year, maybe not his
2: first.
0: <laughs> okay. mm-hmm.
2: I'm I'm more of a fan of the cupcake game so to <laughs> warm things up, you know, make you feel all good, kind of iron out some things, you know. Definitely, with a new coaching staff walking through game day is you know it's a whole ordeal, you know, yeah. starting very early, and so that. Getting that out of the way with a nice cupcake game is good, but I'm always a fan of the cupcake first, get some things done, and then get into a big game next because starting off with a big game, you don't know a lot about your team just yet because you haven't played somebody else. And so making those adjustments on the fly just gets even harder when you're trying to make personnel decisions like that. And then just as a fan – it's way more nerve-wracking when you don't know how your team is and then have a game like we did with y'all last year and it's like oh my gosh this is just going horrible <laughs> like it just surmounts so much and so I'd rather yeah. have the cupcake and then go up from there yeah what
3: do y'all think now after you know last year where y'all started off the season with a loss to us and then this yeah. year starting off with a triple overtime thriller
2: <laughs> that's the thing it doesn't the cupcakes don't always go easy Yeah, like, they don't yeah. Us. like we've yeah, that Sam Houston State and Houston Baptists give us hard times.
0: Yeah, I think Houston for the last four under Hogerson, they've all had uh, tough starts going back to 2019. They opened up in Oklahoma and they were ranked yeah, top yeah. 4. Um and then in 2020, they opened against Tulane and they were down 24 nothing uh and they had to rally back and 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 win that game and obviously of course last season with with Texas Tech at NRG. So, I don't know, maybe I, I Maybe the Houston administration likes to to kick yeah. it off, you know, running. But I I probably have to agree with Dustin. It probably much, especially from from a writer standpoint. It's much better to have the cupcake game where you know everything's in the bag, unlike yeah. the triple overtime game where you're like, oh god, what what's happening? Have to rewrite constantly. So, yeah. but I think from obviously from the from the fun perspective, you probably take the triple overtime game against UTSA just in terms of that excitement level because you're on edge literally every play. And then when something does – something big does happen like Clayton Toon did, um, you know, that that's what everyone – that's why everyone loves sports because of that buzz that it gives you, especially if you're live at the stadium.
1: Yeah, I think I would like probably a little bit of harder of a game first because that first game – if it's a cupcake, you only can find out so much, and then yeah. come that second game, it's kind of like the first game all over again, because it, it, now you got a tougher opponent. Now you gotta you're thinking even more, although you find a little bit more about yourself, and so I, I think it go either way though. So I mean, like you said, the cupcake game cannot be so um soft, and so it can go either way. But I would much rather have a tougher opponent and that can challenge you a bit more. That way, you're even more confident if you get through that game, going into that second and third and fourth, and fifth game, you find out a little bit more about the team and about the um, chemistry and what you have.
2: Hey, I want to yeah. change the question a little bit because you guys are doing something we want to see a lot of teams do is start start season two games on the road. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel about that?
1: That's tough, man. I I think it is going to help this year because of the experience that they had and so uh, I think it's tough I much rather play at least one game at home or a neutral site or something like that but for this year and the way TD Houston fans are I probably much rather than play on the road because the (laughs) fans are so (laughs) fair they rarely come and they come to see other teams that's just a fact from um, since I've been at Houston since 2016 and so um, I, I like it. I think it's going to bring the best out of Houston to challenge them even more back against the wall, and I, I think I like it. I think, I, yeah, I like them being on the road.
0: Yeah, and that that was something that, you know, honestly, it, it's kind of new because I think last year, Houston, I, can, I can't remember. I think they might have played the full month of September where they didn't have to leave Houston because they played you guys at NRG, then they played Rice at Rice, and then they had uh, Grambling right. right. – right. Uh, for the opener, so I mean, it's something new, and like Deion said, I think it's something that Really, with the team they have, they can kind of get away with it because they are bringing back a, a veteran, experienced team where you know they're really motivated to get back to the American Athletic Conference championship and and did what they weren't able to do last season. So, but yeah, I, I can imagine if the the roles were reversed and Houston was in position kind of where you guys are with a new coach and you know, kind of a new scheme trying to install new stuff, it would be brutal, absolutely. And kind of to, to add on to Dayon's point, you know say best case scenario for houston they come and they're two and oh after those first two games there's going to be a lot more buzz uh for week three when they're hosting i know they're going to be hosting kansas but even then you know that's that's going to be a big 12 opponent you're going to see in the future and there'll be a lot more excitement and um that that i think it might end up working perfectly now it it depends on what happens on saturday in texas tech
3: yep Yeah, I'll be interested to see how y'all scheduling changes now that you're part of the Big 12 because y'all had to kind of get a big opponent on the schedule, mm-hmm. not being a part of the Power Five. And like if you want to make a run at one of those New Year's Six Bulls, like you kind of ha- got to have one of those really good teams to start your season off with. So now that you're going to be in the Big 12 going into next year where you already are guaranteed to play several really, really good teams. I'd be curious to see how y'all scheduling changes down the road. And if y'all do kind of try to take, Hey, let's start the season off with a lesser opponent and then get that hard game in or whatever. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean, that's something that Calvin Sampson on the men's basketball side has talked about where, you know, obviously, of course, when it comes to non-conference scheduling basketball, you know, they're always trying to, if it's not scheduling tough opponents, is being able to be in a multi-team event where you have those high quality right. opponents Kelvin's talked about how once they join the Big 12, every conference game is going to be a a Q1 game. So I'm sure it's going to be interesting to see how that transition is in football and especially with football where they have to like plan ahead. So, so far. (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting, but um, excitement at the same time. So I'll kind of leave you guys with this question um and we've kind of touched on it obviously of course we know that houston's going to make the jump to the big 12 next season uh, i would say probably in regards to, to opponents in the big 12 that they're going to see i would say that houston and texas tech are probably the two schools that are much more familiar so i'm curious from a texas tech perspective uh, do you guys see the houston as a rival or what what is that dynamic like heading into this upcoming game
3: i see it as a potential rival but for me right now it's like y'all gotta beat us uh kind of to to prove you're on that same level because, you know, we haven't been a good football program over the last decade, and yet we've won, you know, four straight matchups against you guys, and so it's something that I definitely can see being a really fun Big 12 rivalry. Like, you know, I kind of want a rivalry with all the Texas teams in the Big 12 with TCU, Baylor, you guys, and so I think there's definitely a lot of potential to it. I think we have the most uh, familiarity with each other, and so I think that can be really good, but the same time like i do think like y'all gotta start beating us before it gets kind of on that level of a rivalry yeah
2: yeah i think it even without the on the field action it kind of already is like dan's already hyping it up yeah. saying we're, we're rivals <laughs> i think it's just the in-state thing yeah. and a lot of familiar faces around with Dana holgerson and transfers and your basketball program being very good the last handful of years and the other thing from the Texas tech side, we get a lot of students and alumni from the Houston area. And so you'll get a lot of Houston games that uh, we're, you're going to have a lot of Texas tech fans at. You can ask TCU mm-hmm. about this problem. And cause we do the same thing with an alumni base. that's big in the Fort Worth area. And so you'll see that kind of start to filter in down there with those, your home games. Um, and it's going to kind of start, Maybe a lot of fire under your fan base a little bit. It's done it to TCU. I'll I'll say that.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, for sure. I mean, to to add on to the point, I think, you know, Houston hasn't – TDCU Stadium holds about 40,000 people. I think they can extend it to hold more. But um, I think last time they sold over 30,000 people was 2018. So it's been a while. So, yeah. And a lot of it has to do just with, with where the program was, 2019, uh, 2020 with the COVID year. But, yeah, that's certainly going to be a point of emphasis, especially if, especially this season, um, if they can't get that corrected. You know, once they get into the Big 12 and they have to – it's been reported there's a rumor out there, I guess it was confirmed by the UH Athletic Director, Director Chris Pesman, that the first Big 12 game that they're going to play is going to be hosted at T D C U Stadium. But like you guys mentioned, all the different – texas opponents from tcu texas tech baylor they don't get that corrected it's going to be a lot of times where it might be 50 50 where you know the other fans show up
3: oh yeah yeah just don't taunt us on twitter or something and give us a reason (laughs) to show up
0: (laughs) Yeah, or have have the head coach um, accuse you guys of piping noise like uh, Dana did for UTSA because that certainly lit under uh, fire under the UTSA fans. But um, that's going to do it for today's episode. So, uh, Dustin, this is you guys' time for you guys to be able to plug. Where can people find you guys and check out you guys' work?
3: Take it away, Brooks. Yeah, so we are at Telgate underscore talks on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, that's where we do the majority of our posting, like I think most people do nowadays. It's, uh, I think, <laughs> the best platform for sports and everything. So you can follow us there. But if you want to follow the podcast, if you want to uh, get familiar with, you know, the tech fan base a little bit more, follow us. We're on Apple and Spotify. During the season, we're going to be posting, you know, recap episodes and then preview episodes each week. So we're going to kind of be uh, getting two episodes out each week. But yeah, follow us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, Twitter. We're also on YouTube where we'll post some uh, short clips from each week's uh, videos. We try not to post full episodes unless it's an interview, but, you know, five, 10 minute clips that people can catch if they don't have the full uh, time to catch, you know, an hour long episode or something like that. So we're also on YouTube at Tailgate Talks.
0: And you guys also did the the cool series where you guys reached out to the new Big 12, yes. you know, schools yeah. and, and were able to get them on your podcast. That's how we were able right, to connect. Yeah. So um, yes. be sure so, to check them out.
3: Yeah, so yeah, shout out that. We, uh, we had a BYU, a Cincinnati, a UCF, and then, of course, we had you guys on to talk Houston. So all of those interviews are there, uh, the full interview. So if you also want to get familiar, I know y'all are more familiar with some of those fan bases already, but if you want to hear some interviews with their podcast, those are also on YouTube.
0: For sure. And thank you guys again for your time, being able to hop on and talk Houston, Texas Tech. And then we'll see how Saturday goes. Yeah. I'm sure whoever wins uh, will have bragging rights on, on Twitter, maybe down the road sure. whenever um, whatever. We've got to do this again, especially with the Big 12 in the future. So thanks again. Have a safe uh, evening, evening nights. Uh, 8 yeah. p.m. that we're recording yeah. this. So thank you, guys.
3: Yeah, we'll no sure. problem, man. We'll be at the game, so we'll be sure to post some photos and stuff like that and, and start some engagement on Twitter. But, yeah, yeah
1: thanks for having me. <laughs> for Thank sure, you guys, yeah. man.
3: Bye.